to Joshua. So, last week we were in Joshua chapter 2. We pretty much covered the whole chapter. Uh, we're going to recap some of it and uh, talk about the last verse, really, and then get into chapter 3, which will probably take us a few weeks. So, uh, does anybody remember what we talked about last week? Who was the main person in the story last week? The main character? No. Joshua was barely in it at all. Uh, the half tribe of Manasseh, um, and the two others. That was a couple weeks ago. Last week, who was the main character? This is terrible, you guys. No, not even close. He died. He gone. Yes. Yes, Rahab. Good job. I mean, I told you guys to go to Joshua chapter 2. Her name's all over it. Rahab. We talked about Rahab. So what did we compare Rahab to? Well, she is a harlot. We didn't compare her to that, but that is what she is. What what did we compare her to? We literally spent the whole day, the whole class, talking about how she was a picture of something, somebody. Think about the think about nope. Think about the story of Rahab. So she yes, she was a harlot, and she lied to the king. She hid the spies, and then she said she would. She told them how to escape, and they said, "Because you spared us, we will spare you." Then there was the scarlet thread that she had to hang out the window so they would know whose house it was. What was that a picture of? What was she a picture of? Oh man, guys, I gotta get my notes out from last week and reteach last week's message for a second time. I know you don't want to hear that. Actually, it was a pretty interesting lesson. I'd like to do it again. <laughs> it's available on it's available on podcasts. Can't find podcasts. Can't find podcasts. Whatever app they're on. If you have an iPhone, then. It's I'll show you how to do it as soon as class is over. Alright, what was she what was she a picture of? Come on, let's go. She was a picture of what? Who else can you think of? So she started off her story. She was in a profession that is a, like a sinful profession. And sometimes other people find themselves in sin to start out with. But because of putting her faith in God and his people, she was spared. Does this sound like anybody else you can think of? Who else can you think of that might be born into sin and have to put their trust in God for salvation? Yes, more specifically than everyone on the planet, probably most of the people in this room, say it. Yep, you're on the right track. Most people in this room are this. What group of people are y'all? 
Christians. Wow, that was really tough. You don't get much information, Buster. I was giving you, I was reminding you of all the points that we talked about last week. She was the picture of a Christian. She was born into sin. She was, she put her faith in what God said, and then she trusted that the spies were going to be able to save her. <coughs> then the scarlet thread was a picture of Jesus' blood. Does anybody remember any of this now? Yeah. Picture of a Christian. Goodness gracious. Okay, I didn't think that was gonna be hard. This was like, this was like barely even on my paper to as an intro. Okay, so one thing that I did not mention, I actually thought of it uh, while I was sitting in main service last week uh, that I didn't even have in my notes. But um, so we talked a little bit about at the beginning how she lied to the king, right? The king sent people to her house and said, hey, I know that these men were here. And she said, no, they left. I don't know which way they went, but they left the gates. Before they shut the gates, before dark, they left. Maybe send some people after them and chase them down. And, uh, but she lied to the king because they were in her house that whole time. And, uh, so we did talk about that, but what was, what in the old Testament, what was the punishment for lying to a king? Death. Death. Yeah. Uh, really just anything that the king felt like they could do. Right. So, I mean, lying directly to the king was obviously a big problem, but if the king just didn't like you for some reason, he could kill you. Right. Uh, we've been watching those videos on Wednesday nights and, uh, King Herod, even in the New Testament, King Herod was killing off his family members because he was afraid that they might try to take his throne, right? So the kings um, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, we don't really have very many kings left, but the kings that are still left today, they have ultimate authority within their kingdom. They can do whatever they want. They can kill people. They can have people killed. They can, they can do whatever they want. So Rahab lying directly to the king's uh, men about what happened to these people. Because the king, I mean, think about it from the king's perspective. He obviously has heard that the Israelites are coming their their way, right? When Rahab talks to the spies, she tells them, hey, we've heard that, like, of all these things that your people have done, and we know that you guys are headed this way, and, like, we're really worried about it. Like, we know, we're gonna, we know that your God is more powerful than our gods, and that you guys are going to be able to conquer us. And so please spare my family. That's what she said. That's what she told uh, the spies. So the king also knew that the Israelites were coming his way. So when he hears that they sent spies into his city, he's trying to figure out where these spies are uh, so he can capture them, so he can kill them, maybe so he can negotiate, you know, for the for the freedom of, of Jericho. Um, and so so the king knows about what's happening also. So she lies to the king's men and tells them that the, that the people had left. The punishment for that was certainly death. Um, not maybe not even just for her, maybe death for her whole family uh, because of her sin. And so, for because of our sin, what do we deserve? What does Romans six twenty three say? What? Yeah, we deserve death also, right? So that's another one of those pictures we didn't hit on it last week because I, I didn't actually have it in my notes. But um, we deserve death, right? Um, and because of putting our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, we get spared that because she put her faith in the Lord and his people. She was spared that death that she uh, rightfully deserved. So that was one other thing that uh, I didn't have included last week that I wanted to point out uh, today before we get into chapter three. Um, okay, so what was the phrase that we focused on the first couple weeks of our Joshua series? Audrey's not here to bail you guys out. She did it last week for you. She told you what it was. Anybody remember the phrase? That we looked at, it was in uh, it was three different times. It was in Deuteronomy chapter thirty-one, and it was 
Yes, be yeah, be not afraid, be of a good courage. Uh, it was in Joshua chapter one three times also, and we looked at that phrase. I think we spent two weeks, maybe even three weeks, on that on that phrase. And so uh, I'm not going to go back all through all those different uh, times, but God God told the people. He told Joshua directly. Uh, Joshua told the people. God told the people. God told Moses. Right? God's communicating this message. Don't be afraid. And most of the time, whenever he said that, he said, "I'll be with you." Right? I'm going to go into the land with you. Uh, like. I've given you the promised land already. Uh, he was trying to reassure them that like everything's going to be fine. I am going uh, into the promised land with you. So when, when they get to the promised land, when these two spies go in and they go into Rahab's house and she says to them in Joshua 2 verse... Uh, nine, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you for the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath okay so when God had told them all these things hey I'm going to go I'm going to go with you I'm going to be there like don't be afraid uh I've already done I've already got this right then these two spies go in and they hear from Rahab hey we're terrified we've heard about how you guys have already destroyed these these giants Sihon and Og were kings of of uh uh people of giants We've heard how you guys destroyed them. They were they were mightier than us, and you guys have already taken them out. We're we're terrified about what's coming. Like when you guys get here, we know that uh, you're easily going to be able to destroy us as well. We're we're terrified. So when God is telling the the Israelites all this that uh, that He was going to go before them and He was going to be with them, this is like proof. This is evidence, at least for these two spies. Hey, what God said is that He's going to go before us and He's going to do the He's going to be there with us. And he's already doing that, right? Just hearing about what we've done so far, these people, God has already gone before us and has already started this this process. And so when they come back to Joshua at the end of the chapter in verse 24 of chapter 2, it says, And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. So they come back to Joshua and they give him this report. So... um when we've talked about prophecy a lot recently, like every time it comes up, I'm trying to like show you guys, sometimes prophecy is hundreds of years or thousands of years in the future, right? God's telling about how Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem or he's telling about how, uh, you know, God's going to be coming back, right? If you read the book of Revelation, there's prophecy that was written about 2,000 years ago about things that still haven't happened yet. So sometimes prophecy is thousands of years in the future. God's saying, these are some things that are going to happen. And, but sometimes God says, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then like a few minutes later, that thing happens. Or a couple hours later, or a couple days later, that thing happens. And so those things, those prophecies are, are just as important and just as good of reminders that like God is not subject to time like we are. Right? God, when God tells somebody in the Bible or tells you, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then that gets fulfilled, you know, days, weeks, months later. It's like a reminder that, oh, hey, God does know. God is all-powerful. God said this was going to happen, and it happened just like he said it was going to happen. So when God tells the people, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going 
I'm going to, like, the land is already yours. And then they get there and they hear from the enemy, hey, we've heard all about your God and we're kind of scared about what's going to happen. Uh, please, since I spared your, you guys, will you please spare my family? And if I bring them in and, the, you know, they go through that whole thing. So, um, so God is fulfilling the prophecy that he just told them in, cha- in chapter one that he was going to be with them. Now he's fulfilling in chapter two. He's already going with them. Um, he's going with those spies and those spies are getting this report from Rahab. So they bring that back to Joshua and they tell him, Hey, Joshua, they're terrified of us. They already, God's already there. Like he said, he was going to be, he was already there. He's doing the work before we even get there, uh, to prepare these people, uh, to fear us, to, to know that we're coming. And, um, and they know that there's really nothing that they can do about it because God is on our side. And so when Joshua hears that, that's, that's confirmation in Joshua's mind. Cause I, t- I we talked a lot about how Joshua was getting ready to lead these people into war, knowing that some of these people are going to die, right? The parents of these kids are going to be, are, some of them are going to die. These husbands, some of them are going to die, right? So Joshua has to go in there and he has to know, Hey, this is what I'm being called to do. I'm supposed to lead these people into this promised land. Uh, but I, I know that, the, that not everyone's going to come back. Like not everyone's going to make it through this alive. But when he hears from the spies, Hey, God's already there. Um, that's confirmation to him that, okay, God said he was going to do it. And look, he's already doing, he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And so, um, so, and like practically, how do, what does that, how, why does that matter to us? God's not prophesying through me, right? I mean, he, we, like we are to go tell people, Hey, one day Jesus is coming back. That is a prophecy. We know that the rapture is going to be happening, right? The, one day, we don't know when that's going to be. There's going to be a day, though, that like the rapture is going to happen and anyone who's saved is going to be gone, right? We're going to be caught up in the air. Um, and we want other, we want everyone to like accept Christ as their savior so they can be part of that as well. So when we're, when we're sharing the gospel with someone, we're telling them, Hey, God has already told us in the Bible what's going to be happening. Like if you don't accept Christ as your savior, ultimately you're destined for hell as your friend or as somebody who just met you or as your family member, whoever you're sharing the gospel with, like, I don't want that for you, right? God doesn't want that for you. God, that's why he sent his son. And we go through the whole gospel. That's what the gospel presentation is, is where we are telling people, this is what God said was going to happen. This is a prophecy about something that hasn't happened yet. Um, but here's some confirmations in the Bible. So practically whenever, anytime we see that God says something's going to happen and then it happens exactly how he said it was going to happen, that should give you more confidence and more faith in what God is saying. That's, that's one of the reasons he puts these prophecies, these little short-term prophecies in the Bible, is to remind us that uh, all of the things that he said are going to happen either have already happened exactly like he said they were going to happen or they haven't happened yet, right? None of them has happened any way differently than what God said, right? God has never been wrong about uh, any of these prophecies, right? God cannot be wrong about these prophecies because he can't lie and he knows everything. So if he knows everything, then he can prophesy exactly what's going to happen. And if he can't lie, then he can't tell us anything that's, that's inaccurate about what is, what is to come. And so, uh, anytime we read through those, those prophecies, anytime you see something in the Bible where it says something like, which we're going to look at it, uh, next week, but Joshua chapter three, verse 13, uh, it says, and it shall come to pass Da, 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 da. It says, this is what's going to happen. That's what that means. And it shall come to pass. And if you look at verse 14, it says, and it came to pass, right? So that's a, that's literally from one verse to the next. 
God says, hey, this is what's going to happen. And he lists off this stuff in verse 13. And then literally the very next verse says, and this is what happened. The stuff that, happened, that he just said in verse 13. And then there's more, more of that confirmation in verse uh, 16 that the waters which came down from above, that was part of the prophecy back in verse 13. So just within those few verses, God's saying this is what's going to happen. And then it happens exactly the way that he said it was going to happen. And so there's so much of that in the Bible. Anytime you read and you see, you know, and it shall come to pass or, uh, you know, anything like that where God's saying this is something that's getting ready to happen and then it happens, that should give you more confidence in other things that God says, right? And that should give you confidence uh, in your salvation. That should give you confidence that, you know, if you feel like, hey, maybe God's calling me to share the gospel with this person. Maybe at a missions conference, you hear from a missionary and you're like, wow, maybe I could be a missionary one day. Maybe God's calling me into missions. Let me pray about that. Let me, uh, you know, seek the Lord about that. Let me, let me read the Bible and see what God says about that. Let me talk to my pastor about that. Let me talk to my parents about that. Um, those kinds of things. When, when God is like talking to you and telling you what, what the next step in your life should be, uh, it should give you confidence to know that God's not going to lead you somewhere uh, or lead you astray somewhere that is not good for you, right? It doesn't mean that the road of a, of a Christian, that your life is just going to be always so easy and there's not going to be any problems. It doesn't mean that at all. But, uh, you know, the, the Israelites were getting ready. Some of them were getting ready to die, even though God had promised this land to them. But as a people, this land was, was going to be theirs. And most of them were going to go into the land. They were going to conquer these people. They were going to start dwelling in this land. They were going to raise their kids there. Their kids' kids were going to be raised there. Their kids' kids' kids. I mean, however many generations that they were going to continue following the Lord, they would be able to live there. Now, we know that like there's a cycle of, of sin and they fall away from God. God allows them to be taken captive. But God always keeps the, the promised land for them. Even today, where Israel the Israelites live, most of them, uh, maybe not most of them, a lot of them still live in Israel today, right? The Israelites are scattered across the world now, but, uh, but like every year, thousands and thousands of Israelites are moving back to Israel. And, uh, so God still has preserved that promised land for them. You know, this was like 3,500 years ago when they're getting ready to take it. So after 3,000, 4,000 years, God still has preserved the promised land for these people. Okay. Um, All right, so I try to, a lot of times when I'm teaching, especially on a, like a, like a story-type passage like this, when we went through 1 Samuel, uh, or now when we're going through the book of Joshua, I try to like help you guys put yourselves in the position of somebody in the story. right? So like try to think about what it would have been like to be somebody in the story that we're reading about. So uh, for the, we're getting ready to read chapter 3. Um, most all of you guys are teenagers or almost teenagers. So put yourself in the position of a teenager in this time frame. So I'll give you guys some things to think about. So 40 years before this, they had, they had come out of uh, Egypt, right? The Israelites had been in Egypt in captivity, um, and Moses led them out, right? He led them through the, the Red Sea, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay, so if you were a teenager, think about whatever age you are, 11, 12, all the way up to, who's the oldest one here, 16? No, nobody's 16 yet. Or how old are you? 15. Okay, so 11 to 15 years old. All of you guys fall in the 11 to 15-year-old range. So put yourself in the position or in the mindset of a 11 to 15-year-old kid in or teenager in this um, passage. So before you were born, your parents and your grandparents have been led out of Egypt, 
Okay, they had crossed through the Red Sea. They had seen God deliver manna from heaven. Uh, they saw water come out of a rock. They saw how God kept them all together. These hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people, uh, wandering through the wilderness. Right? There's been there's a tabernacle. Uh, God has this this special building in the middle of your camp that um, that you know that's where He dwells. That's where the priest goes in. We're doing sacrifices. Uh, you guys, ha- you, you have the law, like you know. Um, the Ten Commandments, like you know those things. Okay, and at some point in the wilderness, you were born in the wilderness while your families were wandering, uh, waiting to be able to go into the promised land. And they were wandering in the wilderness because 40 years ago, they went in to spy out the land and 10 of the spies came back and said, there's giants there, we can't go in and take the land, Uh, they're definitely going to beat us, Uh, they have these giant walled cities, we can't do it. And the people said, we agree with you. Let's not let's not go in. And so God said, fine, you're going to wander around for 40 years until all of you who are over the age of 20 die. And the next generation is going to come up. And those are going to be the people that are going to actually go into the promised land. So you guys were born to uh, people who were teenagers at that time, right? So they've grown up. They've had you. You guys have been wandering your whole lives in the wilderness. And now you're 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. And you get to the... You get to like the edge of the promised land. Uh, you see the Jordan, you know, there's the Jordan River, uh, Mo, or not Moses, Joshua just sent spies across the river to go spy out Jericho. That's the first uh, battle site of this this big war that is getting ready to start. And you know, okay, my dad's going to have to go fight, right? It's going to be really tough on mom if you're a teenage man. Like you're not old enough to fight until you're 20. So you're going to be there. You're going to be at home kind of running the house. You're going to be the man of the house, that kind of a thing. Okay, so the spies go out. You're probably, I mean, just kind of think about like what that would be like today if like all of your dads had to go off to war, right? And you guys were going to be back home and that would be like a little bit of a scary situation. It would be a a pretty emotional situation. It would be very difficult to think about maybe, you know, your your parent is not going to come back. Uh, What's going to happen? You know, a few years from now, if if you're a young man, like, you would be old enough to be part of the fight. So at some point in the near future, I'm going to have to join into this fight. Like all these things are happening. Like all these things are going through your mind. I mean, sometimes I think when we read the Bible, we, we think about, okay, this one, like we just think about Joshua and okay. It was just this couple years of his life. That's all we know about him. And we don't want really to think about, there's a lot of things that happen in people's lives that were alive at these times that weren't written down. Right. There's like no, no teenage boys or girls are mentioned uh, in the book of Joshua, like by name. But we know that there's tens of thousands of teenagers in this camp that are watching all of these things happen, right? They're watching uh, to see, maybe they're not thinking about this consciously, but they're watching to see, okay, what's my dad going to do? What's my mom going to do? How are they going to receive this news uh, from God? Because God's been telling in Joshua chapter one, God's telling all of Israel. So the the, the teenagers would have been there. The little kids would have been there. God's telling them, hey, don't be afraid. I am going to go with you. I'm gonna, we're, the, this is the land that I promised to your great, 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 great grandparents all the way back. Like, this land is going to be yours. I'm going to go with you to, to conquer the land. And so you hear that as a kid and you're like, God says he's going to do it. I, you know, I've seen some things that God has done. God delivers manna from heaven every single morning. Right? That's a miraculous thing every morning to remind the people. So you've seen that your whole lives. Uh, if you were a teenager alive at this time, 
you would have seen every single morning there's bread falling from the sky and we can go out and we can collect it and we eat it and the next day there's going to be more and God's constantly providing water from some source because in the desert there's not much water but God's providing water daily for us. Uh, so you've seen some things that God has done but if you've, if you've had it your whole life you kind of just take it for granted, right? Like maybe none of us really thinks about how special it is that we have access to you know go to the grocery store and buy food that somebody else somewhere else has grown you know produced somehow they've manufactured it they've you know bagged it up bottled it up canned it up whatever they've shipped it and it's there Uh, our parents have worked and gotten money to be able to afford to buy these things and now we kind of just take for granted like the fact that we have access to food right not everyone has always had access to food the way that we have it now um so we kind of take those things for granted but as a teenager at this time you would have had manna falling from heaven that you would have been you would have probably been part of collecting that on a daily basis right that might have been one of your chores hey go out and grab food for the whole house like grab you know five loaves or four lo- how many you know whatever you're supposed to grab to to have enough to feed your family so i've seen some of those things but now god's promising that he's going to deliver these people like maybe you could even from that where they were certainly where they were getting ready to head to when they get close to the jordan river they would be able to see this giant walled city the the city of jericho had massive walls and so you'd be able to see that and you're like you you would look at that city and think god how is god going to deliver that to us we don't have tanks right we don't have guns we like how are we supposed to even get in that city let alone we don't know how many tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of soldiers they have in there they're going to see us coming maybe they have archers on the wall how are we going to get past all of that like that city looks too formidable, like too mighty for us to take over. You know, what, what's going to happen to all of our parents? Maybe, you know, a group of these teenagers are getting together and they're hanging out and they're like, hey, what's going to happen to our parents? Like, you know, I'm sure there was different, um, different groups of people that were, you know, different groups of teenagers that were getting together and that were, you know, worried about what was going to be happening. And so they hear God say, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to deliver this land into your, into, into your hands. And it's like, well, I mean, God has always done what he said he's going to do, but I'm still not sure, right? Sometimes it's still like scary to think about, well, God, if God says it, then it's true. And maybe we know that in our heads, but, uh, in practice, that's a lot harder to accept, right? That's a lot harder to, uh, walk by faith when God says, Hey, I want you to go do this. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll do it because you said it, but I, I don't really know exactly how this is going to work out. And so, um, but then these, these spies, so you know that, okay, Joshua has sent a couple of spies and these people were waiting for these spies to come back, right? They had to, I don't know how long they were gone exactly, but they were probably in the city for a day. And then it says that they spent three days hiding uh, on the way back, right? So they were gone probably at least four days, uh, maybe even longer. I don't know how many days they spent in the city uh, of Jericho, but at least they were gone for four days. And so the whole time you're just, you, you know, you're just waiting, like nervous. We're waiting four days. We don't know what's happened. Did these people die? Why have they been gone so long? The city's just right over there. It's only, you know, it's a short trip. They could have gone and come back. Why are they not back yet? Have they been killed? It, you know, are the, is Jericho now going to send people after us because they know we sent spies in there? There's all these like things that might be going through your mind. Uh, and this is me speculating. I'm not saying that like the Bible obviously doesn't record any of this, but, uh, you know, I do think that like when God records things in the Bible for us, I think that there's things that we can get from the Bible maybe that aren't exactly written there because there were teenagers at this time, right? There were wives at this time that knew that they were going to be losing their husband. 
potentially, right? There was little kids that did lose their parents in this war. The, there was, you know, old men, not old men, there were, I guess there was no old men yet that weren't going to be able to go fight, but there were maybe men that were going to come back injured. Like, all these things were happening. Uh, it doesn't specifically list any of those things out, but um, but you can just know, like, those, those things would have been happening because there's, there's millions of, or at least hundreds of thousands of these Israelites that are getting ready to go into battle. And so when these spies finally do come back, think about how, like, exciting that would have been for these people. Okay, the spies are back, right? Let's hear what they have to say. Like, what... What did you guys find out? Like maybe, you know, if, if you knew them or you knew their, maybe, you, you know, there's, they, they had teenage children of their own or, or little children. You would probably go to their house. Hey, man, what did your dad, what did your dad say happened? Like, what did he find out while he was there? Right? And so, um, so there was a lot of like intrigue probably happening. Like what, what did, what did they find out? And then they come and they deliver the news that, hey, guys, these people are terrified of us. And it's like, wait, what? We're terrified of them. They are the ones in the massive city with these massive walls. We're the ones who have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Why are they afraid of us? And, you know, maybe there have been some confusion there. And then you start thinking, okay, they're afraid of us. God, they have, God has already gone before us, just like he said he was going to. And these people are terrified because they've heard of some of the things that our God has done. And we have, yeah, we have God. We, we forgot about that. We have God on our side. And so, uh, you know, maybe things aren't going to be as bad as what we've been thinking. We may have been thinking the worst, but these people are afraid of us, right? These people don't know what's going to happen. And uh, we actually do know what's going to happen because God already told us. And so just a practical point for this is, uh, you know, God knows more about you guys than you know about yourselves, right? God knows how you think he knows uh, why you do the things you do. God knows uh, more about you guys than you know about yourself. God knows more about me than I know about myself. And so if God tells you to do something, right, God knew more about the Israelites than they knew about themselves. If God tells them to do something, if God tells you to do something, if God tells me to do something, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy or that it's going to be exactly how we expect it to be or, it doesn't mean that uh, everything's going to go smoothly, but God's going to confirm that, first of all, in your life some way, right? So I've told you guys many times how, you know, whenever I took over this ministry, how it was the last thing I wanted to do. I wasn't interested in doing this. I was scared to take it over. I had no, uh, I had never worked in youth ministry. I had no desire to work in youth ministry. Uh, I didn't know any of the kids that were in youth ministry at the time. Like, it wasn't really something that I was planning for, working towards, anything like that. Um, I've told you guys the story of when I went uh, on the mission field when I was a 19-year-old. That wasn't something that I was planning for. I didn't want to do it. Uh, when my dad asked me about it originally, I told him no. Um, but you, I prayed about it, right? I So like in the case of taking over this class, I was married. I had kids. So my wife and I talked about it. We each individually prayed about it. Uh, we talked to the pastor here. We talked to Brian. Uh, Tom Fort, who was the pastor over the student ministry at the time, uh, he was the one that offered it to us, so we talked to him more about it. Um, Tyler and Jen Scholes were kind of the leaders of the ministry. We talked to them about it. Like, we, we, we prayed about it for God to confirm it in our own lives. God, is this really what you want us to do? We don't have any idea how to do this. Like, if, if you want us to do it, then we'll do it, but we don't, we don't want to do it unless you want us to do it. And so we, we prayed about it. We got confirmation from the Bible. I've shared that in here before. Uh, maybe at some point I'll go through that again because I don't think any of you guys were even in this class whenever I shared that. But 
Um, there are some, some passages in the Bible that God used to confirm and said, yes, this is where I want you to go. And, uh, you know, all the, all the leadership here at the church was like, yes, we think that that's great. You guys should do that. Um, and so God confirmed that in our lives individually, uh, me and my wife were on the same page about it. We instantly, uh, once we, once we realized that this is where God wants us, we're like, okay, we got to sell our house, right? That was a big deal to sell our house and move because we lived in Raymore at the time. And so we, we knew that this, that we needed to live in the city that we were going to be ministering to. We couldn't really serve very well from further away, all these things, right? So God confirmed it in several different steps in our life. And so when, when God calls you to do something, when God uh, says, Hey, I want you to uh, go on a mission trip for one week to Mexico or to the Dominican Republic or somewhere in Europe, or uh, I want you to go, uh, you know, to do to this school so you can get trained up as a nurse so you can go on these international mission trips as a nurse and share the gospel with people by he- by helping heal them physically you can share the gospel with them and heal them spiritually right maybe i don't know whatever the thing is there's going to be something um maybe it's just in your life now hey i want you to go to school this week and i want you to share the gospel with this person right when god calls you or, or uh you know challenges you to do something uh it's not always going to be something that's easy to do or something maybe that you even necessarily want to do but he's going to confirm that in your life. So maybe you feel like, oh, I, I really should be doing this. Thing. I should share the gospel with this person. I'm terrified about that. Maybe in your daily reading that day, God gives you something to comfort you. Right? There's tons of comfort passages in the Bible. There's tons of, uh, you know, these passages. Be of a good courage. Right? That's a good reminder when you're afraid to do something. Be of good courage. God's with you. Right? That's what he was telling the Israelites this whole time. And so, uh, so God knows you better than you know yourself. And so when he calls you to do something, he's going to, like give you the tools and give you the uh, confidence to do those things. Now, it's still going to be scary. It was still scary for these guys, even though they heard the report that, hey, they're, they're afraid of you. It's like, have you guys ever heard with, like with uh, snakes or some other kind of animal? They're, they're more afraid of you than you are of them. Have you guys heard, them, heard that about certain animals? And in your mind, you're thinking, uh, I'm more afraid of it than it is of me. Even when somebody says, no, 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 it's more afraid of you. And you're like, yeah, right. Uh, it's a snake. I don't want to mess with that. Or it's a whatever kind of animal that you might be afraid of, um, but God knows. God knows you so well, and He knows you're going to be afraid. He know He knew that the Israelites were going to be afraid, so he, he gives them all this encouragement at the beginning. Be good courage. I'm with you. And then He sends the spies, and they come back, and they're like, "Hey, God said He was with us. He's with us. Like these people are afraid of us. They're more afraid of us than we are of them." And kind of slowly starts to build the confidence of these people. And uh, <clears throat> we're not even going to get into Joshua chapter 3 today like I was hoping to. Um, but actually, let's read the first five verses. We'll wrap up with that. That's probably a good way to end. All right, so Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 says, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Okay, so he moves all the people from Shittim where they were staying to the edge of the Jordan River. Verse 2, And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. So he sends all the leaders through, the, through all of Israel because there's so many of them. He's like, hey, you guys go through and you tell everyone. So they're going through, hey, listen, soon the Ark of the Covenant is going to come through. You're going to see the Levites carrying it. Follow them, right? We're all, as a group, we're going to follow after um, this Ark of the Covenant that comes through. Verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way 
by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So he tells them, hey, the Ark of the Covenant's going to come through. I want everyone to follow after it. Stay a ways back, though. 2,000 cubits. That's like uh, a little over half a mile. So he's like, stay back from it. Like, we don't want to be all crowding around it. And uh, we'll look at next... Actually, next week we don't have class because it's Christmas Eve. We just have one service. So the week after that, on New Year's Eve, uh, we'll be back in here. And so we'll talk more about that. But he tells them, hey, stay back, but watch where the Ark of the Covenant goes. I want you to follow after it, but... Um, it's going to go places that you've not been before. It's going, to, we're going to, it's going to cross over the Jordan River. And I want you guys to pay attention to the direction it goes. Watch what it does and then stay back, you know, 2,000 cubits, half a mile. And then I want you to follow after it. And then Joshua leaves them with the, or I'm going to leave you guys with this, what Joshua tells them in verse 5, which is, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So he tells them, hey, get ready, right? Tomorrow God's going to do something miraculous, Okay. Uh, it's like trying to go to sleep on Christmas Eve when you're a little kid and you know in the morning when you get up, you have presents, right? And like, I remember as a kid still not being able to go to sleep on Christmas Eve. You just, you just, you're ready for, like, you're so excited. You're ready to get presents. I'm ready to do all the things I'm going to do on Christmas. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have, you know, whatever kind of breakfast you normally have on Christmas. I get to open presents. I get all this exciting things. Like I'm ready for that. And it's hard to fall asleep. Joshua leaves them and says, Hey, Tomorrow, God is going to do something miraculous. So I want you guys to prepare yourself. I want you to sanctify yourself. And so maybe in our context, we would say, you know, before before we get ready to do something, like before I get ready to go on a missions trip, uh, I, I'm, I try to prepare myself as best as I can, right? Mentally, emotionally, physically, and then certainly spiritually, right? I'm, I'm prayed up. Hey, I need to be in the right mindset. I'm going to this country or this city or this place. And my goal there is to serve these people. These people are going to see me, an American, come into their city and they need to know that there's something different about me. I'm there not because I'm on vacation, not because I'm excited to go, you know, to this place and do this thing. I'm there as a, as a ambassador of the Lord. I'm there. I need to, I need to have the right mindset and I can't be getting angry and yelling at people. I can't be walking around acting like a, you know, like an idiot. I need to, I need to be in the right mindset to know that these people are going to be watching what I'm doing. And I want everything that I do to like, I don't want it to be directed towards me or how, you know, I'm some foolish American. I want all the, the attention to be directed to God, right? So before I personally go on a mission trip, I'm, I'm praying. I'm trying to get my mindset right. I, I prepare everything at my house physically. Okay. I have to know that my wife and my kids are staying here. Okay. So what do they need while I'm gone? Who's going to watch after this or that thing? Maybe I let my neighbor know, Hey, can you like just keep an eye on my house? You know, I'm not going to be there. Um, those kinds of things, right? I need to make sure I have all of the right clothes that I need to take with me, uh, for this hot place or this cold place that I'm going. I need to just be prepared for what's going to be next. And so, uh, Joshua was telling the people, sanctify yourself, get ready because tomorrow God's going to do something awesome. And you all need to be ready because he's going to like do it through you. Like you're going to be part of what happens and, uh, it's going to be miraculous. And so again, if you were a teenager that was alive at this time, you've seen some things that God has done, the manna and, and all of that, but you haven't really seen some of the amazing things that like your parents and their parents saw like the parting of the Red Sea and water coming out of a rock. Like those were things that happened before you were alive, if you were a teenager uh, in Joshua chapter three. But Joshua tells them, hey, all of you 
be ready. Tomorrow God's going to do something awesome. And so maybe amongst the teenagers of that group, maybe amongst the kids and in each person's house that night, they're like, hey, what do you guys think God's going to do? I think he's going to do this. No, 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 no. I think he's going to do even something cooler than that. It's going to be this. Maybe there, you know, there's some excitement happening uh, in the nation of Israel. And um, so I'll leave you guys with that. You can read the rest of chapter 3 if you want to uh, get ahead of the thing. But we'll talk about, we'll probably be in Joshua chapter 3 for a couple more weeks. But um, we'll talk about it next, not next week, week after next and uh, get into the rest of it. But just kind of be thinking about that. Kind of get yourselves prepared in the way that Joshua had them, uh, the Israelites, getting prepared. So with that, I will pray and be